Well, good morning, Sailorville, and Happy New Year. Uh, it's good to be here this morning, really good to be here, and it's a great joy and blessing to be able to address you for the very first message of this year and the very first day of the year, and I say that because it almost didn't happen. Uh, if I were to describe, uh, if I were in a group of pastors, you ever been one of those situations where you're with a group of people and everybody has to say something really unique about themselves. If I had uh, that opportunity with pastors, I would say that one of the unique things is I've been preaching and pastoring for 37 years and I have never once ever missed a Sunday because I was sick, ever. It almost happened this time. I have no allusions to the fact that, I, having said that, I'll have like five for the next year probably, but I, I, I pray that isn't the case, but I was, I was literally in a fight this last week. Very, very ill. Something took me down. I even had a backup plan for today. Um, and then God was gracious, and I'm grateful to be here. But if I fall over, I'm just kidding. Let's, uh, but as we begin our 2023 year, and return to Ephesians, where I ask you to go to chapter 6, if you would, where we left off a month or so ago. I want to remind you that we're all in a fight. It's not physical, but it is intensely spiritual. And we don't get to call for backups in our fight. We need the power of God clothing us both to take our stand to help us to withstand and to go on the offense against the devils and his, the devil and his emissaries. Jesus famously said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will what? They're not gonna prevail against it. Now, you stare at that for just a moment. Stare at that. Because this is not a picture of the church holding back the forces of hell. It is a picture of the gates of hell buckling, breaking, and collapsing before the forces of the church. That's what that's saying. Gates were the things that held back enemies. This is a picture of the gates of hell, and the church is coming after it. And why do I point that out? Because Jesus' very first description of the church was not of a of a. a of a buying lamb, but a battering ram. We're supposed to be making dents into this kingdom. And make no mistake, this is war. This is the church at war on multiple fronts. Chained to a Roman soldier, arrayed in his Roman soldier's armor, the Apostle Paul sees this soldier as a disciplined uh, this disciplined soldier as, as, a, as an illustration of sorts of what we need in our lives to win our spiritual battles. And so by introduction, here is what the text says beginning in verse 10. Finally, he's coming to the end of the text of our study of Ephesians, but we're gonna take our time. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces 
of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. We'll stop there. So Paul has just laid out, just to remind you in our study of Ephesians, how to walk in the spirit within the home. Husbands and wives, children, servants, our temptation might be at this point to say, well, if we just love and obey God, and then our marriages will be strong and our kids will be happy and holy. That is theological presumption. That's why the Apostle Paul closes a book with a warning, and I, I give it to you. You have an invisible enemy who will stop at nothing to destroy your life, your family, your reputation, and your testimony. That's why we're planning nine messages over the next month, or a couple of months for 10 verses. It's true that we fight from victory because of what Jesus has done for us who know him and not for victory. But we're still in a fight. This is war. And our enemy is Satan. The origins of Satan and evil are a theodicy. They are a conundrum. Theologically speaking, it's somewhat cloaked. Why did God allow evil in the first place anyway, right? Everybody asks that question out there, right? And you want to have a great answer, don't you? Uh, where do they come from? Where does, where, do the, where does the demonic world even come from? Well, there is this possibility, it's been conjectured, that angels were created originally with a, a kind of volition, a, a will, if you please, to choose good or evil. We know that from Revelation 12, a third of the angels fell with Lucifer, now we know as Satan. Lucifer himself is described in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, uh, and it looks very much like this is how he fell. His pride got to him, and he falls, bringing a third of the angels with him. Two-thirds of the angels, this is fascinating to me, according to 1 Timothy 5 and verse 21, are called the elect angels. Have you ever read that? The elect angels, which is a, this is really, really fascinating to me. And yet to say angels were originally created with some kind of volition, some will to choose good or bad, both theologically and philosophically begs the question, where then did the choice to consider, much less do evil, come from? That is, if there's no such thing as evil... Where does the very temptation to do evil even come from? Are you ready for the answer? I have no idea. (laughs) I know this, and I give it to those I disciple all the time to memorize it. Many have. Deuteronomy 29, 29, easy reference to remember. The secret things belong to the Lord our God but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, amen? So that's something God doesn't let us know. We have to trust him, and that's what he, I just trust the Lord. He understands why this all took place. But one thing that's not debatable is that evil exists, right? And it seems to be getting worse. But if you knew and were convinced of the evil out there so close to you, that you could almost feel it and that the daily 
practice of certain disciplines could prevent you from being overwhelmed by that particular evil, would you, would you not go longer than two weeks in your commitment to stay away from or to start doing certain things, making certain practices? I say that because we all make commitments at this time of year, right? And they're always good for about two weeks. The text says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. If we forget the invisible realm and the place where demons reside, we are destined to become perpetually frustrated and often defeated. And contrary to popular opinion, Pastor Kurt and his counseling team are not the answer to every one of your issues. That wasn't meant to be a joke. I want to give you three realizations this morning from the text as you war with Satan because that's that's where our war is. And here's the first one. Our real strength is in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Three power words there. You see that? There are three words. They're different Greek words. Paul's sort of cascading them. He's piling them on. But the very first word, strong, is in the passive voice. So that means it's not you. It's, 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 you the, the strength is coming from outside of you. Be strong in the Lord. It's not like going to the gym. And by the way, I hate the first two weeks of January at the gym because you got to park a block away just to get into the gym because everybody's going to the gym. I, I love it about mid-January. They all just go back to what they were doing before. Which makes it an accurate illustration because some of us, some of you, you get serious about spiritual things in the same way you get serious about losing weight. The same way you get serious about, you know, getting into shape or whatever. It usually goes about two weeks. Then you're back feeling guilty for the rest of the year. Let's not do this. Our, your strength is in the Lord. It's not you conjuring up some strength on your own. Find your strength in God. That's where your strength resides. Secondly, our real stand is against the realm of Satan. Verse 11, verse 13, and verse 14, repeatedly, you see the word stand, 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 withstand. And notice the word against. Look at verse 12. Originally, I was going to put it up there and underline it, but just look at verse 12, where he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over our, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in, of evil in heavenly places. Now, I'm, uh, I wrote a book this last year, and I felt like I had to go back to grammar school uh, when, I, when I submitted it to those who were editing it because I had, I, I mean, I, I learned a lot of lessons. And if, I was, if a grammarian got a hold of that 12th verse, they would whack three of those against because you only have to say it one time. You know, we don't wrestle, look at verse 12 again. You, you would, the right grammar is for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, uh, cosmic powers, spiritual darkness. No, but the, the, the author, the Apostle Paul, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, says it four times, against, 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 against. He's driving this home that we have a real stand, and it's against our infernal enemy himself, Satan. And he's putting it in there for emphasis. 
Thirdly, our real struggle is spiritual. Let's look at those listing of authorities. Now, these, these have been, I, 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 this is probably one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture for preachers to preach, both conservative and liberals. Everybody sort of loves this passage. And yet, it's, it's not something to be, this is something to be heeded. There is some realization here. I, I don't know if this is a structure. We're not told that particularly. There is some hint to it. There, th- these wicked demonic struggles that we have against are, are called rulers. We have an old, you have a New King James that says principalities. I've heard somebody say they are princes over paladies. Princes are rulers. And then paladies would be like cities or, or, or jurisdictional areas. Okay? Uh, there are areas in this world so demonically controlled that apparently even holy angels struggle getting through in answering the saints' prayers. Say, can you prove that? Yep, I can, actually. And there is an illustration that probably came to some of your minds. Here it is in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Uh, This is the angel comes to Daniel. Uh, Daniel's been praying. He's just commended Daniel. You're a godly man. I heard you the first time you started praying. He says, fear not, Daniel, from from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's the principality over Persia, withstood me 21 days. But Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. That's eerie stuff there. And what you have here is is undoubtedly uh, the reference that Paul has to rulers. There are demonic powers over nations. And to the degree that those nations give themselves in to secularism, as ours is increasingly doing so, or to uh, you know, animism or whatever, that, that just, it just, it's just a backflow of evil that comes in and takes over. The second one is authorities. You see that there. James Boyce referred to this as the, the mind of the culture, which is fascinating to me. I, I think he's right. The idea here is with authorities, when we give in to what the quote-unquote authorities tell us to give in to, uh, respect and even honor certain lifestyles, for instance, that are clearly against the truth of God, we are giving in. Just the other day, a friend of mine uh, sent me a podcast of a certain sport that I happen to like. You probably could guess what it is. And, uh, and I was listening to the commentator who, who just very overtly claims to be a Christian. He's a very magnanimous guy, loves to talk about Jesus on this secular sports program, which is kind of cool, except that he was interviewing a, a female athlete who was a lesbian. And not just a lesbian, but an outspoken advocate for the LGBTQ community. This is a sports program. A sports program. And the host repeatedly, repeatedly was praising all of her efforts working in the LGBTQ community. And I thought to myself, dude, you're claiming to be a Christian. This is what giving in is all about. Don't do that. 
Don't do that. You can love and respect everyone in this culture. You don't have to give in to their lifestyles, nor should you. The third one is powers. You see that there? Cosmic powers is how the ESV puts it, right? This is talking about control. Remember, we, in our study of Ephesians, we saw early on in chapter two that Satan is described as the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air. So we have a lot of airways in which we, we see power demonstrated and authority exercised. Facebook, Instagram, many other social platforms, the whole COVID government machine with its so-called medical experts had half the churches beside themselves splitting. I'm thankful that didn't happen here. Half were drinking the Kool-Aid of the desperate need to take every shot and every booster that's out there. The other half seeing every shot and every booster as the mark of the beast. Holy smokes, get a grip, people. You know what I wasn't observing during that time? What I wasn't observing in those extreme groups were that they were not referring their answers to God or his word. Or they might yank a verse out of context or take a verse from somebody out there, you know, wheeling their authority. This is giving in to cosmic powers. They're all out there manipulating. The the demon world is manipulating everything around us. Everything. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see that there? Well, guess what? They're not all beneath us. Many are above us. I mean, check out this futuristic scene the book of Revelation gives us. Now, war arose in heaven. Michael, there he is again, And his angels, those would be the good guys. Fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels, see demons are angels, they're just evil angels, fought back. There you have the invisible war going on. That's real war. And we'll let Michael and company settle that one. We've got our own fighting to do right here. And so just for the balance of our time here, as an introduction to this, we will reconvene on this in a couple of weeks and we'll just go through these things part by part, article by article. We'll look at every aspect of this soldier and how it applies to you and me. And just for the sake of looking at it quickly, verse 14, stand there for having your... having fastened on you the belt of truth. That's the first thing we're gonna look at. And that is so significant. I can't wait to get to that one. Because this isn't talking about the truth of God. I think it's talking about your life of integrity. I think it's talking about truthfulness because he gets to the word of God later on when he talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I think he's talking about your integrity. The belt on a Roman soldier kept everything in place. If the belt was loose, so was the, so was the breastplate, so was the sword and the sheath. Nothing worked. But if your life is a life of integrity, wow, you can make a big difference. And I'm already getting into the message, so I'm backing off. But let's just prepare for battle here. 
Prepare for battle first by to cover yourself with Jesus' blood and a credible testimony. That's a lengthy thing, but I, I love back in that context where Michael is battling with the demons and there's coming a day when all hell breaks loose here on earth. We know that, right? And, uh, and, and in the midst of it all, in the midst of Satan's heyday, it tells us that those who love Jesus do something they, they can do at all times. They overcome the evil one. And here's how they do it. Through the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony. And they don't love their lives to the death. Have you ever read that? There's three things. You're covered in the blood of Christ. You've trusted him as your savior. The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from what? All sin. By the word of their testimony. Do you have a credible testimony? You don't have to have an incredible testimony, but you do have to have a credible one. Is it real? And they did not love their lives to the death. That's, that's the one that will determine whether you're a real Christian or not, if you're willing to die for your faith. Are you covered in the blood of Christ? That's probably an expression you haven't heard in a long time. Have you trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior? It's 2023. Let's get it right. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again, right? Secondly, dress yourself daily with the whole armor of God. And literally do that. I, I, and here's what you can do. Every day, this whole next week, as you get dressed, guys, gals, young ones, everybody, as you get dressed, as you put your socks on, as you put your shirt on, as you put your blouse on, as you put your dress on, as you put your pants on, as you put your shoes on, with every article that you dress yourself, apply it to one of these articles on the soldier. Lord, with this, as I put this belt on, as I cinch my belt up, make my life one of, give me integrity. As I, as I put my shirt on, give me, give me this faith that can extinguish the fiery darts of Satan. You know, and just on and on, just walk through that. Practice that daily. Thirdly, pray yourself ready for daily protection from evil. Do you do that? Anybody who's been around this church for any number of years, I used to do, I used to on a regular basis 20-some years ago, I would ask her in the prayer meeting, how many of you prayed today? Lead us not into temptation. And every time, two or three hands, how many of you prayed and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, deliver me from the evil one? Again, a few hands. Jesus said that's the way we're supposed to pray every day. Every day. If you don't, listen carefully, if you don't pray against evil, then you really don't believe in evil. And don't fool yourself. Because you don't. I'll say it again. If you don't pray against evil, then you really don't believe in evil. And believe me, you ought to believe in evil. It's as real as anything. And finally, entrust yourself to the one who has won your ultimate victory, amen? If you're a Christian, Romans 8, 37 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Which is, what, a, what a beautiful thing. So you trust him. We entrust ourselves 
to the one who's already won the, va- the, the victory. It is true. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. But we are fighting. We are in a battle. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Don't stop. and Don't put that sword down until God says it's time to put it down. And when that happens, then you're just going home anyway. Amen? So as we go to the Lord's table, finish our time here around the Lord's table, I want you to examine yourself. I want you to be honest before God. Has it been a regular practice of yours to pray, Lord, deliver me from temptation and from the evil one? If not, you ought to confess that as a sin because you are actually, if that's not true, then you haven't really believed in evil because you can't see it. You're all from Missouri. Wrong. Ask for forgiveness. And then then, then just re and trust yourself to the one who died for you and rose again. If you haven't trusted Jesus, let's start there, amen. God, we love you and bless your name for this opportunity to open your word. Look at this famous passage of scripture, Lord, oh, so loaded with truth. So much of it, Lord, is, is so mysterious to us and yet real, and we believe it. We have been told, Lord, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't deny there's a lot of stuff we wrestle with that is flesh and is blood, but the real fight, Lord, is not with other people or even ourselves against the evil one who hates us, wants to take away our testimony, take away our lampstand, take away our witness. Forgive us. Forgive us for being lax. Forgive us for being unalert. Forgive us for not praying against our own personal evil proclivities and against the evil one himself who fuels them. And then, Lord, we thank you for your son who busted through all the evil, lived a life of absolute integrity, and that took all of our evil upon himself. And we love him for that. I pray for those who have never loved on Jesus, never been covered in the blood of Christ that are in this room watching online. If that's you, dear friend, and you recognize you're a sinner and you're lost and you're separated from God and you are owned by Satan himself. Would you repent of your sin right now? Call upon Jesus to save you. Would you do that? now, Lord, be with us as we do what you told us to do. Remember your perfect life and sacrificial death, we pray in Jesus' name.